And now, it's Health Naturally with herbalist and natural therapist, Dennis Stewart. Hello, Dennis. Now, last week, you uh, had a lot of questions, a lot of people ringing up and didn't get yeah. round to your topic. We, did, we started off, Jane, looking at the possibility of discussing what I refer to as anti-aging herbs. Yay. We didn't achieve that, but we might do something with it today. And there are some that are your favourite. There are indeed. <laughs> and there of are course, indeed. And, Dennis, talking about things to keep ageing at bay. We shall do our best, Jane. What I mean, when we talk about anti-aging remedies, the immediate response is, "Oh, this is very gimmicky." Yeah. And look, look, <laughs> if we if we watch the media and if we read articles, there's no doubt uh, that anti-aging is frequently associated with selling glamorous pot products to make us look more glamorous. <laughs> and that's fine. That's marketing. But I genuinely believe, from uh, the point of view of herbal medicine, both the traditional and now increasingly the scientific explanation to support a selection of herbs that have been used to resist aging is there and can sustain my contention that within herbal medicine its tradition and now as a result of its science we can justify taking on board a selection of remedies used around the world to particularly address the problem of aging not necessarily um, how could I call it, giving us a 100, 120-year lifespan, but, but improving the prospects of health and maybe uh, staving off some of the early onsets of diseases that begin to assert themselves as we get older. So that's the way that I look at it. Are there in natural products, is there in nature, as I believe there is, uh, substances, mainly herbs, that have a demonstrable ability when used sensibly and ongoingly as part of one's lifestyle and maybe one's diet, um, these things can contribute to better health as we get older and arguably create resistance against some of the diseases, things like cardiovascular disease particularly. I want to say a little bit about three herbs in a moment which I believe had a major contribution to make to the whole process of resisting ageing and believing that we can, through diet and particularly sensible herbal supplementation, make the possibility of the ageing process become less uh, less dangerous, put it that way. So we're not talking just mm. about wrinkles in the skin? No, and this is why I prefaced my uh, talk this morning by saying that um, we're not looking at that side of that terminology. We're looking at a genuine physiological concept that uh, there is evidence to suggest that the sensible use of what I call medicinal herbs can contribute significantly to resisting the whole physiology of ageing. And I believe that from a cultural perspective, looking at various cultures, and now increasingly as an understanding of herbs through what's called phytochemistry, uh, chemistry, that contention can be sustained and I utilise it myself in my own lifestyle and counsel many of my clients and patients to use the remedies that we will take up in a moment. And uh, you've got three favourite anti-ageing remedies, yes, Dennis. Look, th these are the three, and in, in the past I may have touched on them, but that's beside the point. There are multiple remedies used to resist ageing, but three that I think um, are very, very prominent 
and are worthwhile taking on board, and three herbs, which I myself take, as does my wife, um, to address this problem because I'm not getting any younger, as my children frequently remind me. I'd like to dismiss that comment, but they're probably true. Look, there are three herbs. Uh, it's interesting that one of the, the herbs, in, indeed the first one that I will talk about, is considered in some parts of Australia to be, in fact, a, a noxious tree or a noxious weed. Hmm. Um, and I, I've mentioned on the program before how very frequently what is a nuisance to some people a weed, call it what you like, is to others uh, a great beneficiary and the source of major health possibilities. And I'm referring initially to the herb known as hawthorn. Now hawthorn, as anyone knows, if you drive up to the New England, it's very, very common around uh, Urala, Armadale and Gyra. And it might interest listeners to know that I frequently uh, go to those locations, as I did when my dear old dad was alive, and collect some of the flowers, the leaves and the berries of this remarkable tree which thrives in the granite and sheep country of that part of Australia. Now, hawthorn berries is indeed an introduced uh, shrub, tree, call it what you like. It's of European origin and in, the, uh, in Australia I think it was primarily uh, brought here to form a hedge uh, in order to protect particularly sheep in the very cold country in the New England. Hence, when you go up there, you see it in, in proliferation. And at certain times of the year, um, there's just a, a maze of beautiful white blossoms which uh, give you the indication that very shortly thereafter, uh, the berry will come, a crimson berry, and it's the berry that's primarily used. Now... Uh, hawthorn berry has always been used by medical herbalists to address uh, cardiovascular problems in a more of a tonic way, not to particularly address any one problem. Uh, we're not talking about hawthorn berry being a competitive cardiovascular drug. We're talking about a traditional use of the hawthorn being used to support what I prefer to use the term cardiovascular health. And I was encouraged years ago to see hawthorn berry as a primary anti-aging remedy when reading that remarkable text that I've frequently mentioned on this program, uh, the book written by the great German, uh, the late great German medical practitioner and phytotherapist, Dr. Rudolf Weiss, in his book entitled Herbal Medicine, there is a remarkable monograph on hawthorn berry, uh, which I still lecture from and still read frequently and what took me in that book years ago, and I've underlined it and I use his terminology frequently, was that he referred to the hawthorn, the leaf, the herb and the berry as being in fact the herb or the herbs for the senile or ageing heart. Now, mm. he, he was using the term senile there in the same way that I'm using the term ageing. It was not in any way uh, a de derogatory term, but what he was presenting the herb as was a herb that is very, very useful as a tonic remedy with multiple benefits on the heart and particularly the coronary artery. He presented it as a remedy uh, popularly used in, 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 in Europe and popularly used in Germany, which in many ways is the heartland of traditional herbal medicine in Europe, of great regard, great regard for, for German herbal medicine and the way it's been practiced and documented. 
and it was he that presented that herb in that context as the herb for the senile heart and then went on to explain how its nutrients, and this is the point, with hawthorn, its leaves, its fruit and its berry, the constituents are not what you would call overt pharmacological substances such as those which characterise many cardiovascular drugs. Hawthorn berry contains a spectrum of nutrients which we have loosely referred to over the years as bioflavonoids. Mm -hmm. In the case of hawthorn berry, they are known as proanthocyanidins. Now that might mean much to listeners, but uh, they are a group of bioflavonoids which have multiple benefits, but with reference to hawthorn berry, are thought to make a major contribution to the way in which that herb has a progressive, safe, slow, an ongoing supportive effect on the heart muscle. Now, it is not a competitor with digitalis, so I don't want medical practitioners out there thinking that we're offering something that's going to compete with digitalis. It's entirely different chemistry. What this herb is, is basically a nutritional substance which brings, particularly to the heart muscle, a spectrum of nutrients which are considered to support the functioning of that vital organ as we get older. And very, very interestingly, very interestingly, even in the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia of 1983, this herb is presented very, very confidently, Jane, as a herb that, in fact, resists the uh, coronary artery uh, problems and is considered to have somewhat of a limiting effect on plaque deposition and also to work progressively against the onset of angina pectoris. Now, this is not a gain to say that, is a, that it is a drug which introduced tomorrow uh, will compete with the mainstream anti-anginal remedies and the cardio other drugs, etc. I'm presenting it in the context of the way in which it's seen in cultures that use herbs uh, much more uh, acceptably and much more culturally than what we do, where it is seen to be a herb which, if you are getting older, it's useful to append it to your lifestyle. Keep in mind that the Americans frequently refer to herbs such as hawthornberry as being medicinal foods. It's an interesting term. You can't apply it across the board to all herbs, but to many herbs which contain principally non-pharmacologically active substances and more nutritional substances, it's a useful term. So I see hawthornberry as, in fact, a medicinal herb uh, having, if you like, medicinal food characteristics, <laughs> which if appended to one's uh, vitamin and mineral and uh, herb regime, I take uh, two tablets of a practitioner-based uh, hawthorn preparation each morning, as does my wife, and I've done that for many, 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 many years. Um, I believe it uh, is helping me. I have evidence to, su to suggest that it is. My GP certainly thinks that it does. So uh, I would first up say, particularly to those people that consider themselves to be moving towards uh, the ageing situation, go to the computer, punch in hawthorn, hawthornberry, hawthorn leaf, hawthorn flower. A good preparation embodies the three components and look at the traditional use of it and the way in which what I've said today can be sustained by modern use, modern science, modern application. Remedy number one, a great herb, the hawthorn berry. And look, 
if you go to the New England, about this time of the year, you should start to see the hawthorn come into blossom. And in it, round about March, round about March, is a great time to go around the Armidale region, as I frequently do. My wife has relatives up there, and to see the beautiful maroon berries fully there. And in the old days, when I had more time, I would collect them with my dear father and, and can convert them into a liquid herbal medicine. Do it. Looking at how we stop the... Well, not stop, but how we fight help ourselves. It. Fight against it, Jane. In we, the ageing process. We have to fight the good fight. Fighting the good fight is what we're and, doing and today. Look, I, think, I think that's a worthwhile concept. So frequently we paint ourselves into the corner and think that, uh, uh, you know, this is where we are, there's not much we can do about it, let's accept things gracefully, um, just let it happen. Well, look, I believe we can do better than that. And one of the things that uh, has always impressed me about natural medicine and particularly herbs is the way in which they have always been put forward as remedies which can work against those conditions which have plagued us as human beings the ultimate one, of course, being ageing. So I don't retreat from the topic, keeping in mind we're not talking about glamour remedies, we're talking about remedies that could have, could have physiological benefits as we get older. Now, one herb that obviously fits into this category, and we have mentioned it on and off over the years, but in the context of an anti-ageing remedy, as the hawthorn berry, in my opinion, was... Uh, probably the most appropriate and most recognised uh, remedy to address uh, the problem of cardiovascular health. So the herb ginkgo is a remedy that is still making its impact around the world, around the world, as a remedy with potential to resist aspects of ageing that have a lot to do with cognitive dysfunction. Mm -hmm. um, we live at a time when we have never been more aware of the incipient nature of dementia and the incipient nature of Alzheimer's. Um, those things worry us, and rightly they should do. Now, I believe that even though at this stage, as far as I'm aware, we're not aware of what causes these diseases, there are a lot of theories, um, I believe that the work that's been done on some herbs, and there are a number of them emerging now, before I start talking about the ginkgo, I would just like to drop um, something in, in, uh, in the listener's lap, so to speak, and that is there's a lot of work being done in the United Kingdom on the herb sage, Salvia officinalis. I will talk about it when I have more information to confirm the... I am reading that I have done on it. But it is a herb that I think, don't hold me to it, it is a herb that I think is being researched by Cambridge University as having potential to also address aspects of dementia and, and Alzheimer's. But, but, the discovery again, the discovery again by the Germans who have done most of the uh, writing on the, uh, on the ginkgo the discovery of the Germans has conclusively demonstrated that presently in the plant world, it is the remedy that seems to have the best prospects, the best prospects of helping and lessening uh, this condition. So with reference to this wretched condition that we rightly uh, despise, 
and should fight against, regardless of what we have said about the ginkgo in the past being useful for circulatory problems, it is also being put forward, and I put it forward this morning or today, as being a remedy uh, that has sustained uh, medical conferences around the world. One of the first conferences on the ginkgo was held in 1986 in the United States and it was uh, chaired by Dr. Rapin, an Italian uh, medical practitioner, and in the preface to the uh, papers that were written based on the, on the conference, uh, and I have, a, I have a copy of it, he made the statement that of all the remedies, and I presume he was referring only to herbal remedies, of all the remedies in existence at that time, the ginkgo was the one that had the most prospect and was being used popularly to address this problem, which has accelerated since 1986. So in the area of this, uh, the use of the ginkgo prophylactically, prophylactically, is a very, very important thing to take on board. From what I've been told, and I read it, and I'm sure it wasn't just in, uh, in, in a German reference, something like 5% of Europeans are now using the ginkgo Majority of those, I suspect, would be elderly people who are aware of the way in which it's being put forward, even by the medical profession in those countries, as something at least to think about. I didn't say that as a pun, but it's a good closing <laughs> topic. So that's the second remarkable remedy which I use myself, have put many, many people on. And, Jane, I pride myself on the fact... I shouldn't say that, but never, I, I can say it. I pride myself on the fact that I gave the first lectures on ginkgo in Australia and I gave them at a special seminar in Blackmores at Balgowda quite a few years ago now. And uh, the best part about that is that you still feel the same way I, about I do ginkgo. Indeed. Very, very much so. Yep. <laughs> oh, it's a good herb. So it's 22 to 1, Health Naturally, 49216216 for your question for Dennis. Barbara's rung in from Rutherford. Now, Barbara, you've got a question about swollen ankles. Uh, yes. Hello, Barbara. Hello, how are you? I'm um, well indeed. Now, I had a heart thing um, back around about 2009, mm. yes. and um, it has shown up as a scar on my uh, on the right side of my heart. Yes. Now, a physio was telling me that my swollen feet could possibly be because the heart's not functioning well enough getting the blood back up, but I'm wondering if that is so, what can I do to fix it? Well, to start with, um, swollen ankles always needs uh, to have a preliminary investigation by your GP who may well in fact um, uh, suggest you, you see a cardiologist but your GP should be your first point of call because swollen ankles can be associated with, uh, with some cardiovascular problems and this is why I'm suggesting um, not just to take a notice of myself or anyone else but get it looked at um, if you haven't had it looked at do so I would I would think however I would think however if it was a consequence of your heart condition I would think that it would be most unlikely that that wasn't being treated um, either with a, a, a diuretic medication or some heart medication I'd be surprised uh, that with this condition that if it were cardiovascular that uh, it hasn't been managed. So I, I would be reluctant to say that it's coming from the heart. Your physio was not necessarily wrong, but there are other causes as to why 
ankles sometimes swell. I tend to think that it has a lot to do with what we might call uh, lymphatic circulation. Now, lymphatic, cir lymphatic circulation, I'll try to keep it simple for you, uh, parallels, if you like, um, our major circulatory system. And, and lymph fluid um, is famous for being able to leak across, across the lymphatic um, vessel and, poo yeah. and pool in peripheral tissue. Um, I would I would see that as being a more likely scenario, Barbara. I don't want to be personal, but you are are you an elderly lady? Um, sixty-seven, so pretty young. Oh, that's very young. Yes, I totally agree. <laughs> Absolutely. Well done, Barbara. Well done. Well done. But look, um, <laughs> I, I did go to my doctor on <laughs> Tuesday, and that regarding um, lymphatic problems. Uh, yeah behind my right ear yes. and I had the list with me and that mentioning about those yes. and uh, he also is the doctor that I was recommended Good. to after I had a heart turn. Good. Okay, well look, um, one of the things I would recommend is you can go to your pharmacy and get a, a bioflavonoid called Rutin, R-U-T-I-N. Now Rutin is very safe, it comes in many foods and it is renowned for helping improve poor lymphatic circulatory conditions. Um, I would be in, inclined to suggest that that is more than likely what is behind it. If your doctor has looked at the condition and is treating it appropriately, um, the use of remedies that sustain uh, good lymphatic circulation will not clash with what your doctor is doing. And if you persevere with them over a period of time, and I have seen this uh, in my practice over many years, if you persevere with them, generally speaking, there can be some reduction in the pooling of lymphatic fluid. Discuss that with your, with your GP. I think that's the way I would go. Use some Rutin, R-U-T-I-N, can be procured, procured from your pharmacist under various names and brands very safe. Thanks for your call Barbara and a question from David who's rung in from Hinton about the berries you were talking about. Hello David. Hello there, how are you? How are you David? I'm very well, thank you. Good, good, good. My question is I, I, I'm a blackberry picker and I go out to the New England every year to pick blackberries. Wonderful. And, and, and I see these other berries on these bushes, the orange berries. Yes. Is that the ones you're talking about? No. What, you, what you are t talking about there is not the hawthorn berry. It's a popular. Oh. It's a popular hedge berry, and I should yeah. know it. I should know it, and it slipped my memory. See, I need to take more ginkgo. It will. <laughs> it will come to me in a moment. But you're talking about a berry that is is more a, a, an orange colour, a yellow yeah. colour. And yeah. if you are driving towards Armadale on the right hand side, be uh, alongside of what used to be a research station. Um, yeah. I think you know what I'm talking about. There's a whole hedge of those berries. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know where it is. Well, that, 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 well that's the, that is not the hawthorn. But having, having said that, and the berry will come to me in a moment, it shares uh, a lot of um, characteristics with the hawthorn. And interestingly, interestingly, it's the topic of um, extraction um, methods around the world in as much that it contains, again, a group of helpful bioflavonoids, uh, a lot of a lot of, a lot of vitamin C, and okay. and and in many preparations now it's being appended and some and sometimes even blended with the hawthorn. 
but it's not it's not the uh, it's not the hawthorn berry. Hawthorn berry, you must have seen it. It uh, it grows like a small tree, whereas what you're talking about here is more like a hedge. Um, the hawthorn grows as a small tree, although it can yep. be it can be quite big. I know round uh, round uh, Urala as you're coming out of Urala, alongside the uh, the, the the old railway system, and along yep. some of those old fences, old fences, you'll see uh, hawthorn trees there that have been growing. I would anticipate for probably sixty or seventy years, and, yep. uh, and they were the trees from which we first harvested. Uh, the Hawthorne Berry with a, a company called Greenridge Botanicals. They came all the way down from Toowoomba to actually harvest it and made an excellent extract of it. And, and interestingly, the wood is a beautiful wood, a beautiful okay. wood. And I get a bit distressed when I see um, uh, see the herb or the tree being poisoned or chopped down and the, the wood not being utilised. Mm. How did you process that? Okay, you're talking about the hawthorn berry. Okay, yes, yes. now let me just let you uh, give you a bit of encouragement here, David. Uh, the bulk of hawthorn berry, even crude starting material, believe it or not, would be imported into Australia. You can't believe it. You can't believe it. Uh, but that's the case, and I have addressed this problem in seminars on cash cropping and herb growing, even with Professor Elliot from this university. We addressed this problem years ago the way in which starting material for herbal products is still at large brought into the country. Now, with hawthorn berry, it's quite easy. Well, when I say quite easy, it's not that easy, but I suspect it's no more difficult than harvesting blackberries. So what you would do, um, you would go and you'd strip the ripe berries. You'd make sure they're ripe. They need to be quite, uh, quite maroon or vigorously red. You'd strip yep. them. And then what you would do, you would dry them. Right. And the idea is, if you're going to do it seriously, um, establish a drying facility. Professor Elliot used to have a container on his property at Arimba and, and, and use technology to, to um, um, dry the echinacea right. crop that he and I grew there years ago. So uh, you can do it in a small facility. You can, in fact, uh, have a small drying cabinet. But if you're going to do it properly and try to make something out of it, you'd need to have a drying facility that would dry the herb quickly and stop any mildewing. Once you, once you have dried the herb, uh, it's quite simple thereafter. All that you would need to do is hammer mill it. Um, uh -huh. And by that, you know what I'm talking about there. Yes, what, yeah. what that means is the, the dried herb is reduced to a powder. Yep. Um, it, uh, it doesn't have to be a fine powder, but it would be reduced to a powder. And then you have a marketable commodity, which you can do a couple of things with. You can either sell it to a manufacturer of herbal products in this country, and there are many of them now, or you can yourself uh, market the product in various ways at, at, at markets or um, develop your own product from it, a liquid extract. There are multiple ways of using um, uh, the hawthorn berry, but the first step is to demonstrate that it's worthwhile collecting that you can dry it professionally and you have the ability to reduce it at least to a coarse powder. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you very much for that. Marie has rung in from Shortland. Now, your partner has tinnitus. Your... Yes, he, yep. yes, he suffers very badly with tinnitus, does wear hearing aids, mm. um, but still suffers very severely from tinnitus. So, And I remember Dennis speaking oh, quite a few months ago about... Um, some supplement that you might be able to take. Okay. I... okay. Mm. Look, uh, Marie, 
tinnitus is a difficult condition to treat, mm, and in my mm. opinion, anyone that says otherwise, yeah. I, I have uh, problems with it. Uh, having, having said that, having said that, uh, the literature that I use to um, study and lecture from, uh, and the literature that governs what I recommend and practice with, is is confident about mm. a, a long term use of ginkgo biloba. Ginkgo. Yeah. Now, I spoke earlier uh, mm. today about the ginkgo as having uh, great benefits, potentially, in uh, assisting, resisting cognitive conditions such as uh, dementia and, and Alzheimer's. But mm. tinnitus, as listeners uh, probably have heard me uh, on this topic before, um, I'm sorry, ginkgo has multiple, multiple uses and, mm. and, and is one of the most popularly... Uh, used and recommended uh, recommend uh, remedies in Western Europe. Yes. Now, mm -hmm. the uh, European Commission has given uh, a rating to ginkgo, which uh, confirms its potential ability to lessen, mm -hmm. to lessen, certainly lessen, the experience of tinnitus when two things prevail. Now, I'm saying when two things prevail because. Uh, the use of ginkgo uh, is more like the use of a mainstream medication in as much that whilst ginkgo is herbally uh, based, obviously coming from the ginkgo tree, mm. the way in which the preparation of ginkgo is made up these days is a very sophisticated pharmaceutical process so that you get a very concentrated preparation of the ginkgo which requires it therefore to be used in the correct dose in a standardised preparation and to be used over the requisite period. Yes. If you're going to go down the pathway of, of the, um, of the uh, ginkgo in addressing tinnitus, I would suggest that you see a practitioner or you see a pharmacist that mm -hmm. can look at the preparation, vouch for the fact that it is a standardised preparation based on 24% of the ginkgo flavonoids and right. has the correct dosage that coincides with that concentration. Right. Get, get hold of it, but if you are going to recommend it, don't expect any benefit from it overnight. This is a preparation which, even in the literature, requires a very, very long and quiet perseverance with it mm -hmm. to yep. achieve mm -hmm. a benefit, if possible, if possible. Right. Now, mm -hmm. the, the other thing about the ginkgo, however, is that it has multiple benefits. So even if the tinnitus is minimally benefited. Mm. Ginkgo is one of those things that I believe people, certainly at my stage of life, uh, can benefit from uh, very much. So I would suggest you discuss with your pharmacist, maybe even your doctor, mm -hmm. a, tr a trial on the standardised, correctly dosed preparation of ginkgo biloba and persevere with it for many mm. months. So All right, could you spell that for me, please? G I N K G O. G I N K G O. Ginkgo. Biloba. All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much all for right, that. All right, Mary. All the best. And yes, all the best with mm. that. In the last few minutes, Dennis, uh -huh, uh, well. can we cover our third? Well, the, the third remedy, remedy. Is, is one of my favourites, and it always uh, takes me back to an occasion when I met a, a brilliant elderly Chinese gentleman, 
who put down his remarkable, remarkable appearance, intellect, conversational skills and physical health to his annually uh, going to China. He was a Malaysian Chinese gentleman uh, whom I spent some time with in Perth over dinner one night many years ago, who put down his health, all these things that just stunned me. I was looking at a man who was 83 years of age, Jane, and I said to him when he asked me, how old do you think I am? I thought a moment, I thought, this guy's not much more than about 74, 75. He nearly fell off the chair laughing. He was 83 years of age and put down his good health to using regularly, as many Chinese people do, that remarkable herb, that remarkable herb, ginseng. And uh, I recommend it to many, many of my patients. Now, what does it do? I don't think it does anything specific. We talked about ginkgo having perhaps benefits with cognitive problems and Hawthorne with cardiovascular problems. This is a great systemic tonic remedy. If we said anything about it, we would say, in traditional medicine language, it maintains the vitality of the individual. And you can interpret that any way you like. <laughs> Sounds excellent. And uh, speaking about age, yes. it's really interesting that a lot of Asian people yes. are interested in yes. the ages of the Westerners amongst us who, who travel in that area. Absolutely. And then I think they're very proud of their own appearance. I think you're right. I <laughs> think you're right. With justice. <laughs> well, Dennis Stewart, thank you very much thank indeed. You, Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.